But what if Napoleon did shoot at the pyramids? In honor of Ridley Scott's Napoleon, what historical event needs a cinematic jolt of thrilling fiction? I'm Katie Rich, and I really just can't get past the concept of my beloved piece of junk, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. So just make that again. Do it again. Again? again? Wow, you yeah. didn't have enough time. <laughs> Not enough fun the first time. <laughs> I guess. Um, I am Matt Patches. Did not think enough about this, but uh, a historical event that comes to mind would be the Battle of Hastings in 1066, a, uh, an, uh, a historical event I had to memorize as a kid. And mm -hmm. uh, I have nothing to add other than maybe like Roger Rabbit is there. Okay, no. okay. Uh, hey, it's me, David the Seven. Definitely did think about this. Sherman's March to the Sea. <laughs> could be reframed where he was actually chasing a Decepticon through Georgia. And I'm David Ehrlich, and I'm going to go with Chester Allen Arthur, Vampire Hunter. Competing <laughs> franchises. You know, this is a real missed opportunity to bring up the Seven Years' War that we've learned about so recently, <laughs> except I still think none of us really remember who we're supposed to root for. I'm this, not so. touching that rail. Uh, I guess that's like the prequel to Napoleon, so you can have that also go to... The, the pyramids and have it all tied together. Mm, yes, more back to the pyramids. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's a podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 452, isn't it? Not to question the 52, uh, 452. It's 452 because the quarter quell was two weeks ago. It is the week of Wednesday, November 22nd. Happy almost Thanksgiving to those of you who celebrate. Uh, this is also the day that in 1995, Toy Story. Uh, I don't know if you knew that it was the first fully computer animated feature film. It was. Uh, it was released and I assume did, it was a big Thanksgiving hit. Did you guys see this movie in theaters do you recall i yes. definitely did absolutely of did. course i have a very vivid I... memory of seeing this movie in theaters with my grandfather because it was obviously cg animation but he just kept talking through the whole thing being like look it's still projected on film and there's burn marks do you see what those marks are <laughs> it's real film the computers it's haven't, real computers computers haven't won yet. yet and i'm like <laughs> what are you talking about i'm just i want to know what andy's doing <laughs> and then years later, you'd see Fight Club and understand burn marks and uh -huh. it would all tie together. Um, we're all back and uh, together. And uh, none of you have celebrated that by reviewing us on the iTunes app, it seems. But I think we have enough emails to get past punishment. Uh, we I do. We have two emails. I mean, I think punishment is supposed to be for app reviews. But uh, you know what? <laughs> The world of those phone games yeah. uh, is changing. As someone, uh, I'm sure, in a, a review that you must have read last week was calling us out for Keep reading reviews on uh, the episode. Yeah, and my, and my answer week. to them is uh, when we get advertising, we we will no longer have to read reviews when? on the show. Interesting. Oh, okay. so. When? So you didn't listen to the actual episode because the next review was about how you need to buy a new microphone. I know. I read that mm. one, too. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And when we get just, advertising, just maybe out. I can afford to do that too. Gosh. There you go. Sponsored uh, by uh, Blue Microphone. Sure. Yeah. Sponsored All right. By we mentioned Pluto TV enough that eventually Pluto TV reached out. They're like, yeah, we kind of don't do that. Uh, <laughs> so let's at least try to get that response from Blue Microphone. So, Tubi, All guys. Right. What are you watching on Tubi? Yeah. Uh, this email uh, is. Uh, sub uh, subject lined girls who are Fincher guys. Hey, Footwork Crew, just wanted to say as a 25 year old woman, Fincher is indeed for girls, for like young millennials slash older Gen Z women like myself, especially. The Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl were incredibly formative. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl were so popular on Tumblr, Tumblr, I remember being a 17 year old reblogging edgy, cool girl monologue posts. And for some of the more goth girls, it was girl with like a dragon tattoo and the whole Lisbeth Salander, don't talk to me vibe. Low key, he was the reason I went to film school. I used Gone Girl as my mood board for the short films I made. I was obsessed with the cool yellow tones and the darkly dry comedy of his films. Uh, not that it worked out. Film school made me realize I did not want to make films. <laughs> Lol. Uh, 
it may be a generational thing that Fincher, from my experience, is more popular with women my age. Like, yeah, we like Fight Club, but it's a gay rom- rom-com that is satirizing 90s consumerism kind of way. Not a, ooh, Tyler Durden tough. I want to be like him and beat people up and, like, fuck the system, man. Like, yeah, fuck the system, but not by creating another system. Any, anywho, all this is to say David Fincher is for the girls, and maybe now I need to get that on a t-shirt. Zoe, 25, daddy David Fincher enthusiast. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. I love great, this entire great email. Review. Great I email. do. Th- I, I think this is, is my fault because I glibly claimed that David Fincher was not for girls, which of course I do not truly believe. Think, yeah, I was, but this I didn't think this is one of many things though where I hear from like younger generations. I'm just like, oh, you guys just learned all that stuff before I ever did. Like figuring out that like Fight Club is a satire is something that took us forever, and they were just like, yeah, duh. And like <laughs> part right of there. it is a passage of time, as part of it is a younger generation being smarter than us. Well, they also um, so, have yeah. a lot of the, the criticism and the discourse. They can immediately yeah. digest it in a way that we do. Yeah, not. it's different. Um, Fincher's for the girls. I would buy that shirt. I love that. Please make it. <laughs> Our second email is subject lined Gen Z and television. It reads as thus. Hi. We're getting a lot of commentary here. I'm I'm bracing. What have we said? <laughs> we, we, we have like a couple of podcasts where we're like, we're old. And then, you know, the younger listeners step up. So I love it. Uh, hi. Just listen to the episode where you all vehemently disagree on whether HBO and television at large are appealing to Gen Z and courting young creatives appropriately. I don't know how many Gen Z listeners you have, but I was born in the 2000s. So I figured I could maybe lend some perspective. There are huge swaths of young people who aren't very invested in the big franchise that dominate pop culture these days and only show up to House of the Dragon or any of those Marvel things out of resigned obligation to stay current. I think the major networks are missing out on shows that excite people my age because they're reluctant to invest in budding starlets instead of proven brands. I know a lot of people who watched Malcolm and Marie because we all love Zendaya from Euphoria and Shake It Up, White Lotus because of Sidney Sweeney, or It 2017 because of Finn Wolfhard. I think the industry has been slow to catch up to the new generation of stars, maybe because they're mostly making their name on streamers and not in the movies. But Timothy and Zendaya make Dune an event, not Villeneuve. Sorry, King. Love the show. Violet. Mm. <laughs> Do you guys think Finn Wolfhard is more famous than Millie Bobby Brown? Do you get Ooh. that sense? Do you think he is actually I, the biggest? I don't like, know if either triumph of, them are particularly of the Stranger Things famous. Uh, but what what are we what are we basing yeah, but, this on? <laughs> Because I mean, the fact that he was name checked in this letter, I just think sure. he is—he's kind of a low-key Timmy for I, a new generation. I do disagree. I do disagree with the listeners' contention that it is not Denis Villeneuve that makes Dune an event. I think it is definitely Denis Villeneuve that makes Dune an event. Uh, but I, I ride with them in the spirit of their review. I well, mean, uh, it, it, it can be different from for others. Millie Bobby uh, Brown isn't a Ghostbuster, so we'll we'll see what happens when that franchise. Well, Millie continues. Bobby Brown has her own like Netflix franchise, the Anola Holmes thing, which like I don't and think she just got another movie, has. right? Damsel. Yep. I mean, she sure, had a, but that's all she schlock. Wrote a, that doesn't feel she real. She wrote a historical fiction book this year. That is true. That's she right. She did do book. that. I also what uh, has Finn Wolfhard. Done? I think, I think his, movie. he directed a movie that played at Toronto and his band played like a free street concert. I Pretty then, cool like, this guy. Was, this was during the strike. So like they were really trying to come up with starry things. It was like, we don't have Bradley Cooper. We've got film Finn Wolfhard's band this year. But like people seemed excited. So maybe it worked out. I'm all well, you could on Finn Wolfhard. You well, could, he's a uh, voice <laughs> in Scott Pilgrim uh, takes off. So uh, hold that thought. You can leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, that is where we're directing people, so then we could read it on the show. But as you could see from this week's episode, you can also email us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com, especially to let us know that you, you Gen Z, are out there listening to us, and we should probably stop pretending you don't exist or whatever we were doing <laughs> uh, but, or making assumptions about what you want to see. Thank you for your enlightening emails on. With the show. You make assumptions about what Gen Z wants to see. You're no better than David Zaslav. That's, that's how
All right, we're recording this, and it will come out Thanksgiving week. It's pure chaos. I don't know about in your your all your worlds. We haven't had a, a true check-in together much before the, the podcast recording. But I just assume because it's Thanksgiving, we're all over the place. And when we were talking about what we should discuss tonight, I think we all just have been watching totally different things. It's never more apparent how much like the content stream has changed to me than when I think about how much easier it was to program this podcast even five, three years ago than it mm. is now. There's just so much we're watching and we're all over, you know, we're watching a Netflix show or David seeing movies in theaters ahead of time. And we're just all over the place. So we were trying to figure out what to, to talk about tonight. And we, we gave up. We're all going to talk about whatever the hell we've been watching because we except can't keep for up. the end of the show. We're all going to come back. We, have, around. we will. We will culminate in a little Scott Pilgrim talk. There's a tease because we actually all made time for for that one. Um, it's a big deal. But first, we're going to talk about whatever we're watching. And David, you were teasing me before the podcast about something that I want to hear about. So please, what have you been watching? What should people use their precious Thanksgiving holiday time maybe to catch up on or not? Oh, I uh, so <laughs> it was bound to work out in my favor uh one of these times but as you may know patches as i'm sure you do know um metal gear solid creator hideo kojima <laughs> uh, is always on twitter i don't know how he's finding time to code my most anticipated video game death stranding 2 uh because all it seems he does is consume media uh but i think he just decides things right everyone else makes it and he just i mean I, I would hope so or that game that game is literally never coming out but um and he between the media consumption and the taking photos with timothy chalamet uh etc at his office and digitizing them into the game and whatnot yeah let's let's pause one second yes kojima met timmy chalamet and they took pictures and they're online now the last photo in kojima's post was chalamet holding a paddington Mm. statue do you think that lives in kojima's office or did chalamet bring a paddington statue to that photo op even though he's not Mm. in the paddington so my guess my guess and i'm so glad you asked this question my guess is that Wonka, Wonka director Paul <laughs> King, who accompanied Timothy Chalamet on this visit, probably brought the Paddington. Uh, but there mm, is no end to the amount of crap that is in the Kojima office, <laughs> judging by uh, his <laughs> tweets about opening shit and various packages that he gets all the time. And so, you know, for all I know, he may have had it already. Uh, but he's constantly, you know, his taste for someone who is like a true visionary uh, in the work that they do, his tastes, I would say, tend to run slightly towards the pedestrian, the bro-ish. Um, but he tweeted very, very enthusiastically about a Netflix. And actually, I have to preface this by saying I am not up to speed on the semantics of what you can and cannot refer to as an anime. Uh, you know, what determines that uh, distinction, if it, if it, what percentage of the work has to have been done in Japan, if it's simply a stylistic, you know, whatever. Um, once upon a time, I could have made an argument in, in this, and those days are decades behind me now. But uh, he tweeted very, very enthusiastically about an anime that I had heard about here and there, not anything concrete, on Netflix called Blue Eye Samurai, which is animated. Well, David listened to last week's podcast. So did I'm you talk about Blue Eye Samurai mm-hmm. last week? <laughs> Motherfucker! Like how much? <laughs> it was not a proper segment. It was me yes. spieling in the beginning. Wait, but how accurate was I? I just I I knew in advance that this would be patches shit. That I was over the moon for. I just knew. I just I had absolutely no indication. I have not listened to a a millisecond of last week's episode, and yet I you know I've read zero of the emails involved in planning it. After I cannot remember for whatever reason I had to bail. Oh, getting the second stamp of approval here. People Um, better go watch this show. Uh, I so this might get me there. Just might. Well, I have not watched an anime. If we we can, I mean, as Wikipedia would refer to this, an adult animated action streaming television series. It's not an anime. Because the people who made it would say it's not okay, an anime. It's also made by a French yes, animation. I, I, so I feel like that. I was fully prepared for for anime to be the wrong descriptor for this. It is certainly done uh, in the spirit and to a degree the style of anime. It is computer animated uh, in a way that would ordinarily put me off, but is animated with uh, enough sort of grace and and beauty 
um, here where it didn't really bother me. Uh, there are some glaringly digital moments. There's an episode that I just watched that's sort of like a uh, an assault on a castle that is big oh, ninja yeah. warrior vibes. And I think that the digital the digital jerkiness is is a little bit more apparent there um, than it has been throughout the series. But uh, yes, it is it is certainly in the spirit of an anime. Uh, I don't know to what degree you talked about this last week. I, if you covered the premise um, about a half Japanese, not too samurai. much. Mine was mostly. I hope everyone, someone was begging for yeah. TV recommendations. Yeah. So anyway, but I said this, but we did not go too deep. But you should explain well, why it's actually. Good. I, yeah, I have not watched an anime series in a very, very long time. There was a period in my life where I watched just about all of them. This was really during the height of the DVD days um, when it was at its most prohibitively expensive, and yet I somehow would spend all my money uh, buying four episodes of anime at a time as they released the anime DVDs for each series in like bi-monthly installments. Anyway. Um, the uh yeah and like anime films have been able to keep up with but the series sort of got away with me uh away from me and this seemed kind of like a good back to basics uh approach reminded me of like samurai x or something like that i mean it is a more or less basic story about a samurai in this case though a samurai is a mixed race blue-eyed ronin um and there are all sorts of ways that i think a story like this that's adopting anime style and tropes uh with that premise could go wrong um, but I, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be interested to see what those arguments were in this case, because I think it's, it's very interesting how it's been done. Um, my Erskine is part of a really impressive cast voices Mizu. Um, and she is at a time in Japanese history where the country was completely closed to foreigners. She is one of a small handful of people of mixed blood, uh, in the country. And she is regarded, uh, as all or all of her kind as less than human, um and she is bullied from birth and she is hidden away because uh her father if he knew that she existed and as far as i know where i am in the series and don't correct me if i'm wrong uh it seems to be that her father is this hulking british man named abijah fowler who's voiced by kenneth brana because what else is kenneth brana doing and um <laughs> He's there's a you can't there. get away from that guy <laughs> michael green is one of the co-creators of the show who di- has done the the Poirot movies. Oh, Poirot. that's right. Owes, that him a, owes him a life. Right, right, right. Uh, we also wrote uh, Alien Covenant, a masterpiece. So, uh, but that man, that man's career really is peaks and valleys. Uh, but he, um, she is on as samurai in such narratives tend to be a quest for revenge. Um, it's specifically towards this, this by Jeff Fowler character, but that, Quest is going to cut through many, 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 many other people on her way to get to him. Um, and she very quickly partners up with a uh, handless, uh, but very, very uh, optimistic and, and spirited uh, cook who idolizes her named Ringo, who's voiced by Masi Oka of Heroes fame. Ugh. Good to see that guy. Uh, yeah, no, back he's in something and giving her a pretty. Oh, no, he's delightful in the show. I mean, anything that makes me think of heroes is uh, the bile. I can taste it, but uh, he is lovely. Um, and then the cast also includes Darren Barnett from Netflix's Never Have I Ever, Brenda Song, George Takei, Randall Park, Carrie Hiroki Tagawa, uh, Stephanie Su, Ming Na Wen, Harry Shum. I mean, there's a zillion people in the show. Everybody who has a speaking part is essentially someone whose name and face you would uh, know. But um, it, it's just a. Uh, Every single episode so far has impressed me in how it has sort of turned. It hasn't necessarily subverted any of the tropes that you would expect from a story like this, but it deals with them so intelligently and so cleverly. I mean, there's a there's a great episode. I mean, because every one of them is sort of dealing out a little bit of her backstory in a way that is relevant to whatever's happening in that current episode uh, and often jumping back and forth through time. But it's always done in a very dramatically satisfying way. It doesn't feel labored. There's the, the fifth episode that I watched earlier today, uh, I thought was really beautifully done. It, it incorporated like a kabuki uh, puppet show um, and used that as sort of uh, the way, uh, sort of the fulcrum point. That between, episode is stunning. Yeah, and like stunning. how it uh, takes you through her relationship with her mother and uh, marriage that she once had in the middle of, in the present day, a fight against an entire clan of ninja outside of a brothel um 
it is uh there's definitely a little bit of like ninja scroll fan baiting in the wanton uh bloodlust <laughs> and nudity and everything else I, this is not something that i have a problem with but it definitely again points back towards that sort of like back to basics i actually feeling. think the nudity is surprisingly tasteful oh, yeah, it's no, very no. I mean, r-rated it's... and like very fetish forward in yeah. a way i was not expecting but like with purpose right yeah. it's very much about gender and getting and, and intimacy and the every every trope that this show indulges in still serves characters and i think that's the most surprising yes. part about it that, uh, whereas like, the, there's room for all of these different people in this the, show the sex in ninja scroll it's uh purely fetishistic uh, uh, no, it's, it's, and um exploitative but it was uh, i also was did I not mind when i was like 12 years old <laughs> um but yeah i mean and and also as we sort of danced around the fact that uh our main character is a woman who is disguised as a man she's sort of a uh a a what would you say is a is a not a she's all that a she's the man scenario no she's just um you know cloaking her identity but like twice over because she's disguising one her race but also her gender um and it just makes the need to conceal her identity she's the man uh, right all, all the more loaded um and uh yeah i've just been really taken with uh, every single episode particularly in the beginning where i was like oh, i'm gonna bounce right off of this um, and my appetite for this sort of thing has has evaporated. Uh, I was really impressed by how quickly it won me over. And the episodes are hour well, an hour long. I wish some of them I were longer. I mean, the, I mean, maybe fluctuate. That first episode yeah. is an hour long. Most of them are in more in the forty five minute range. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's beautiful. I mean, it's all done in sort of the dead of winter in seventeenth century Japan. Um, it. It, where you want to be yeah i mean it uh uh I, based on my what i've taken in from watching the show i don't think uh i would have had the warmest reception there but um the the yeah i mean it's it's all very very well done um it is captivating uh i do feel like despite my initial trepidation about the premise and the people who are making it um it, it, there is a real uh cleverness and sincerity and integrity to the storytelling and it's just been consistently interesting and i am very much looking forward to finishing the last two episodes and hoping that they're i don't know and patches don't tell me but uh, i i don't know if this oh, story this ends in a way that would potentially leave it open to um another season Ooh, you're baiting me but uh, more, uh, more blue eyes I, yeah i would love to see more of this and who knows i mean it's unlikely because time is sort of at a premium for me these days but uh maybe this is what i was about to say sorry movies <laughs> david's recommending a netflix television oh, show <laughs> maybe this is what gets me back into anime i mean i've been this is what you did i have been i always am itching to sort of go back and watch like old episodes of read or die the tv or even like um you know it's funny that you don't think you've watched an anime recently since we will be talking about one later in the show well an, we another yeah totally i mean watched. and and i think you know best i can tell that is something that we have all sort of agreed to classify as an anime but uh but even though it is more I mean, it's very that yes, is very much and even though it is more uh literally and categorically an anime you know in some ways because of the subject matter and the the intellectual property behind it sure. never really struck my brain as being an anime uh in a meaningful way even though i appreciated it all the ways that it was time. playing with that form um but uh yeah uh blue eye samurai very cool uh dave you yeah might be watching things but also you were just in europe uh, at, what at are they watching Comic-Con. in Europe? What were the where where were you? What were you doing? I mean, you were I was, promoting your goddamn book. Congratulations! Yes, I was in uh, Utrecht at uh, in the Netherlands at Dutch Comic Con, twenty twenty three. Wow! And yeah, you were it was on a great. panel with Kelly Sue DeCana. Yeah, this? Joanna Robinson, my co-author, got COVID the night before, or got tested positive oh for gosh. COVID the night before we were supposed to fly. Uh, so it became a, a solo Dave journey, and luckily, Kelly Sue DeConnick, who's in the book, um, was uh, ha- volunteered to step in uh, for my main stage panel. So it was me and Kelly Sue, and I got to meet her finally because I, you know, talked to her vaguely, but never actually met her in person, and meet her wonderful daughter, and uh, meet some amazing DC comic book artists um who uh it was yeah great time hanging out at dutch comic-con wow. dutch 
incredibly nice. Is a Dutch Comic Con different than a San Diego Comic Con in any palpable way? Well. Uh, less bullshit. More waffles. Um, no one tried mm. to sell me on. Yeah, and more waffles. Uh, it, it's one of those uh, genuinely fandom uh, generated Comic Cons. There wasn't any sponsored nothing. It was just people showing up uh, to celebrate what they liked. It was the kind of thing where I went to the bathroom and was late getting back to my signing table because I was engaged in a conversation Ooh, la, la. about oh, uh, the <laughs> about uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe versus uh, current Star Wars movies. You know, just a bunch of just a bunch Nerd of fans shit. out there. Yeah, mm -hmm. nerd ass shit. Well, did well, did you manage to watch anything in your in your I did. journey gonna, around the world? I'm gonna recommend, or I'm gonna mention watching something, but I only got to watch two episodes of it, so I'm not sure I can recommend it. But I also want to start by recommending a book, um, uh, which has to your do with book? the MCU, no, no, Rain no. of Marvel Studios. <laughs> so when I was uh, last weekend, or I'm sorry, the weekend before last weekend, I was in Austin for the Texas Book Festival. And I met a gentleman who said he Ooh, and his uh, now husband um, love fighting in the war room. And I've been listening to it for years. And uh, I was like, what is your name, sir? His name, and he said his name was Walt Hickey. I'm like, that sounds incredibly familiar. It's because in 2022, he won the Pulitzer Prize for Illustrated Reporting. And he has a new book out. He does. Uh, that's called uh, You Are What You Watch. And it is a media data analysis book, as Walter himself put it. It is basically a picture book because there are illustrations and graphs on almost every page. Uh, but it is split into different sections and talks about uh, not only how pop culture affects us, but how uh, us digesting pop culture affects the world at large and then affects commerce. Um, so I would recommend this book. Um, don't. I, I mean, you could get it in a Kindle edition if you have one of those fancy Kindles, but I would also really recommend getting the book. I'm going to love using some of the graphs uh, in my future work uh, because it's about everything from like uh, how uh, the chemicals that we exhale change based on the type of movies we watch or how the electricity that's pulsing through our skin increases when we uh, become invested in a character's struggle uh, so something like uh, you'd expect our bodies to get more excited uh, in like, you know, uh, action sequences or something. But one of the biggest peaks that was registered in this particular study was Katniss's dress catching fire and Hunger Games catching fire. Um, uh, so just the idea that uh, these as we're watching movies, um, our bodies know that our minds know that it's fiction, but our bodies don't. So he has a really interesting section about. Uh, audiences watching horror movies and based on blood tests that your blood's actually releasing more coagulants the more scared you get because it's preparing to bleed that's how afraid you are while watching horror movies uh two greater things um like how the american space race was greatly influenced by uh magazine articles and disney specials uh just by proving that it was right and how they had a more outsized effect on the public and the government's uh, response to whether or not going to the moon would even be possible than actual NASA studies, uh, all the way to uh, how little things that we watch change how things are sold to us. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I hope to, you know, go, go on his podcast at some point and return the favor and tell him personally, but I would also say, you know, if you have a media-obsessed person who likes the numbers... Uh, this might also be a fine time to buy this as a gift, but I'll say it again. You Are What You Watch by Walt Hickey. Speaking of uh, what you watch, I've been, uh, I've been enjoying kaiju films this month. As, uh, Dave enjoying to... kaiju films? I know. Next Wednesday, I get to see uh, Godzilla Minus One at a fan screening. I'm very excited. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that I was caught up on the rest of the world of kaiju, which meant starting Monarch Legacy of Monsters oh, on uh, Apple awful, TV. Awful. Oh, it's good. Oh, no. What? Yeah, I watched. Really? Oh my god! I watched six episodes. I could feel my my oh, brain time. drying up as I was wow. doing it. It is so bone dumb. And I say this despite the fact oh, it's that it's really the fun. only piece of media that shows a healthy respect for my beloved 2014 Godzilla, uh, and you know centers its entire canon around that film. But it is terrible. 
Whoa. Oh. Okay, switch back to Dave, who is on yeah. the right side of history here. I mean, uh, disagree from the first two episodes I watched. Oh, Maybe it yeah, goes it gets quickly so much worse. It really, it starts off at its high point and begins to go off a cliff. Well, here at the high point, I am excited, uh, especially having uh, recently rewatched Shin Godzilla to talk about uh, on my podcast with Neil Miller, um, that uh, we can have fun with the ridiculous sort of uh i don't know canon they're trying to build around godzilla uh over here in america with their toho license uh so it was very interesting to see monarch legacy of monsters uh start off with uh john goodman on the king kong island and uh slowly progress into the aftermath of godzilla's g-day attack on san francisco and how it affected us worldwide uh, in 2015 uh, also, we're we're flashing back to a uh, previous time period, and that's where uh, Wyatt Russell is playing a younger version of his dad, Kurt Russell. I'm not going to say that it's smart, but I am enjoying it. Because in order to be a kaiju film fan, you have to digest literally some of the dumbest shit that's ever been put to film. So maybe I'm holding it to a different standard than you are, David. It's possible. Uh, I mean, I I'm, think, you know, my, my issues are that most of the characters, particularly the more ancillary characters, are all just total waste of time. Uh, their storylines are annoying. Uh, they don't go anywhere. Uh, but my my real beef with the show, and Dave, I'd be curious to hear your response to this, is that it seems just categorically a bad fit for a television show. Because Godzilla, I mean, especially the 2014 Godzilla, which this, this show is based around, um, is all mm -hmm. about scale and majesty and... Uh, and the, like enormity, the enormity of uh, the of not just the size of the monsters, but the uh, the impact that their appearances have on the world. And the television show devalues that immediately. I mean, there's no stakes. No, the, there's a different like objective I mean, here. It's a it's a totally different objective here, which is the yes, the the movies are, and especially the 2014 Godzilla, which uh, we share that affection for. I love that movie, um, and we want to see. The majesty of the creatures. We want to understand the destruction on a, on a real level. This show is is bad. Doing something that we wish the Marvel shows had done, which is like Not actually exist. take it down to the ground. Uh, no, uh, this show does exist. That, that's incorrect. Uh, sure. it, it is it is showing like what happens after a Godzilla attack. How does it ripple through I mean, society? How how do people on the ground? How are they? affected by it and how does all what of this mystery and I, I find the characters very like human and the human element being able to kind of come through here they're I, not just things for the monsters to kick around they actually live lives they're actually affected by whatever to, these creatures do that's interesting to not disagree with you i do think that some of the only interesting things this show does uh are when they focus on exactly what you're describing which is sort of the the way that Civilization responded to the emergence of Godzilla, particularly around San Francisco. Um, I think what they do with that it, it could not be less interesting. Uh, but the just the the tremors that it, it sends through, you know, literally and figuratively through society, uh, through how people think about the world, are interesting in theory. But the show is so busy running around from one place to another. Uh, and shout out to Apple TV for at least making, you know, spending a lot of money on this and, and making the location Let's hear more incredible. from Dave about why he's but, right. Man, yeah, and all these stupid monsters show up and none of them get a time to really talking do anything. about later in the show. There's like a, 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 a maybe they're in Antarctica or something. And yeah. there's, a, there's a snowy Dumb. monster and that's fun. Yeah. They get chased around. I mean, here's the thing that uh, I'm appreciating that's more towards what Patches is saying. And part of the thing that David semi agreed with before he did stop liking yeah. it. The, the 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 mythology of this show when you have the budget is the earth is hollow and that's where king kong reigns supreme like that's the stupid version of this mythology and i've gotten that i mean it sounds kind of smart to me i when don't you mind it that way, but i mean i don't mind getting i don't mind getting in the weeds a little bit with characters who are realizing you know sort of the ramifications of living in a world in titans because we aren't sending a scars guard hurtling to the center of the earth um, to to explore the hollow world. If you learned that the Earth was hollow and that creatures lived in it, would your un, like would your life dramatically change? Would you feel different about your place in this world? If would you be kind of nervous about them? Oh, you would? showing up. I mean, you think you would? 
Well, I'd be I'd be a little nervous. I'd also just wonder like how ecologically that it that makes me either more or less culpable in the death of the earth. Also, like immediately feel guilty. We we, (laughs) yeah, that'd be a little bit. We have all of those things to be afraid of already. (laughs) You know, like we have to be afraid of King Kong. No, but there are so many there are so many legitimate threats that could crop up at any time and. Fuck your shit up uh, and so ruin your life or someone else's world. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Here, it's like there are equivalents to that threat that we face. Yeah, but the Earth here's, is hollow, right? Here's why I'm interested. I like the idea of a Godzilla that if they're going to make a uh, unified uh, canon story that all these titans exist in. If there's a legacy of monsters that I'm going to discover in this actual show, uh, I am interested in what they decide to uh, focus on because the Toho Godzilla bounces around wildly between like Godzilla is good, Godzilla is bad, Godzilla's nuclear power, Godzilla's anti-nuclear power. Godzilla doesn't like pollution. Godzilla doesn't like it when you, you know, like colonize uh south asian islands it's like all these different things and it's fun when godzilla could be a metaphor for a single movie but if they're trying to tie all these things together i want to see if there's an overarching thing at the very end um and then of course uh, i guess we won't know for sure until next year when we get uh the next godzilla v kong uh which i hear might involve another ape creature godzilla x kong godzilla x collab now Right, right, because they have to fight the new uh, Kong thing. Is anyway, it new Kong. Yeah, probably. Unless I'm wrong and they're reshooting it. Who, who, who gets? Who knows what the wrong fuck is happening Kong. now in Hollywood? Uh, but uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters. If you have that Apple TV Plus subscription, let's say you're you know gonna do some Killers of the Flower Moon later this month or some Napoleon. Why not also roll over and check out some Monarch Legacy of Monsters? That's what I. That's what I'll say. Decide for yourself if it's dumbass shit or if it's nice ass shit. Eighty, have you watched any cinema? Um, it's not recently. <laughs> well, hang on. There's no hope. This podcast. Gonna, there are no I, movies out. No, 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 no. I wanted to talk about a movie. It's just a movie oh. I saw in Toronto, but it's now finally in theaters. And I don't know that this is going to fall under endorsement, but uh. Did anyone else see Next Goal Wins? I sure did. David, did you see this at Toronto? This better not fall under endorsement. (laughs) (laughs) So my on Letterboxd, uh, I'm starting to use Letterboxd now. Everyone follow me. Um, I kind of walked out of it to people being like, holy shit, I've never seen something so terrible. And I'm sitting like in the same aisle as the real Dutch soccer coach who Michael Fassbender plays in the movie. So I'm like in a like biased section of the theater. And I'm like, it's all right like not the best movie i've ever seen but it has soured so much for me since i have seen it um i haven't really caught up on where the discourse has landed on this movie i remember that what what (laughs) is the movie actually about like i mostly got the tiff negative psychic damage there and then have it's been steadily pumped into my brain since (laughs) that that time but like yeah i don't think there's been much discourse because no one has seen the movie no one's going out to the theater no to see the it, i was looking up it's per screen it opened uh last weekend in uh two uh, like over two thousand screens theater. so yeah. like not as wide as hunger games but uh wider than the holdovers like that's where we're at and it had a 1116 dollar per screen average which is uh lower than the holdovers <laughs> and five nights at freddy's in its third week etc it's really not doing well despite being from taika waititi who's like still pretty famous and i think has like Pretty devoted fans. I mean, Dave, you might have a better sense of that from the Marvel world than I do, but like he is a name brand director for sure. And like the kind of person yeah. who people would come out for, especially like post our flag means death. <laughs> Ironic um, that you describe him as such, because all he seems to do these days when he gives interviews is talk about how nobody remembers the name of the director of Casablanca and that art should be. Uh... Didn't he do that one time? <laughs> I've read this quote. I feel like it's resurfacing. It's resurfacing constantly. This. It's um, Michael Curtis slander will not stand. I've never, He's never also heard the name with Rita Ora, the most famous celebrity the most, we the have. The hooiest celebrity in the world. Next Goal Wins is a concept that should be completely impossible to fuck up. It's based, I mean, I guess it's, it's a story that was also a documentary um, about the Samoan uh, national football team, soccer team, that had was kind of the losingest team in international soccer. And this cranky Dutch coach, uh, Dutch-American maybe, 
uh, played by Michael Fassbender in the movie, is basically forced to go and whip them into shape. It's bad news bears style Those thing. Cool runnings ish. Uh, cool uh, runnings, but like you know, yeah. like a full like a full team. It's like cool runnings um, if John Candy cool was like an angry team. asshole. Like really, right. really like scary. Let's go back to where you said Cool Runnings is not a full team. How many more men do you want to see in a bobsled? <laughs> uh, as many as possible. Um. So yeah. So you've got like Pacific Islander culture, which obviously Taika Waititi has n- done well in other movies, and you know a scrappy team and like people kind of learning to work together. And you know we've seen so many sports movies that I think we all kind of get this sense of like, oh yeah, it's just kind of autopilot. And watching a movie like Next Goal Wins, like fail to seize the momentum that is like naturally built into you by a tournament is kind of amazing to witness. Like, again, I'm seeing it at the premiere. David, did you see it at the premiere? I, at Toronto, I must have been seated in the, the same row as you because I was also uh, I was just behind the yeah. real man who Michael Fassbender plays in the film. <laughs> yeah. So you were why sitting behind. Why did they surround this poor man with all of you? As a testament to my... Why wasn't he on a golden throne? The inability to uh, interfere with my critical radar uh that had no bearing on me loathing this movie <laughs> so but the crowd was into it like you remembered this every, that, like it was getting a Toronto response premiere the crowd but is, where does it go? No, no, no. i'm not saying that's a mark of quality i'm just saying that like even though i'm watching this movie kind of fall on its face like people are like so ready for it so you're sitting there being like is it me is it just this movie but like it, it definitely is where does it go movie. wrong like I, I i don't understand how you don't how it's not following the blueprint of these uplifting sports movies, like where I mean, does has, the Waititi-ness like, stunt it? I mean, he, he it's like not funny for the most part. It's got this like mm. range of colorful characters that can't really keep track of most of them, except for this, you know, the the one character you've probably heard about is the first ever trans uh, player in international soccer um, named Jaya. And like that character is kind of like the foil for this cranky coach who's like he's like drinking at every possible moment in the movie and like you think that's like a thing that he's going to learn to get over but like he doesn't like it's just like kind of like a thing that's accepted as part of his weird personality well there's a whole suffered, twist about like why he's so a, sad a that tragedy. you can see yes, yes and like very if you cannot poorly guess, dramatized but yeah. very poorly dramatized and like i don't know that it's that clear about like what the stakes are like you know the thing where it's like oh this player can't do this thing and then in the final game we're gonna see them do that it doesn't really do that. And then when you there's like the way that it depicts the trans character, like I'm no expert on uh, trans representation, but like it's incredible that this character exists. She's based on a real person. That real person was also there in Toronto. But like they use her identities for some weird, like dramatic oh, tricks that man sits real wrong. In the third and act, I think it people is, are kind of Oh, it rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, it really did and I think people were kind of immediately being like how dare these cis critics tell people what's transphobic and now people are seeing it they're like oh yeah like this didn't, this didn't go I mean first, I think you're it. you're um, exaggerating when you say people are, you, people are seeing it uh, but um, and the, the, I, mean, I did a cursory Twitter search some people are seeing it uh-huh but I think really I mean, I mean it did the, make the movie's some biggest problem is one that you were uh, alluding to at the start which is just that it feels like it was thrown into a shredder. Like someone tried to yes, make it absolutely a movie uh, uh, by the numbers, uh, inspirational, you know, humorous sports movie. And they just like got, they were like sitting there with an Ikea instruction guide and they just got all the steps all the, wrong. And it's it's all like, in the wrong order. It's like incompetent. Um, like how do you fuck up? It's not, it's not like, I mean, and famously throughout Hollywood history, there have been these ostensibly simple movies that have like ballooned out of control because of you know, budgetary reasons and, and feuding stars, whatever. Uh, you know, this is sort of along those lines. It's like, how do you fuck this up that badly? Uh, yeah, I still don't entirely know, um, but they sure well, did. Well, they cut Army Hammer out of it and uh, reshot right. that, it with Will Arnett in that role. Of course. That part's real world. And then it filmed in like, it filmed before the pandemic, like in 2019, I think. Um, and then sat around while he made like three other movies um, and is, you know, directed by someone whose attention is clearly on a lot of other stuff and kind of needed to throw it together to get it done, which is absolutely how it feels. It's it's weird to see a movie that like feels abandoned, even as you're mm. watching it on like this reasonable scale. I did not have a bad time but it is disappointing by kind of every measure, if that makes sense as a as a middle ground there. Uh, I had a bad time. Don't go see it. Uh, <laughs> 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 
this movie will eventually come to Hulu, so any curious person can probably easily see start it, it up later and maybe finish <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <coughs> yeah, uh, I'd Patches. be very interested to hear from people. As the person who started the prompt, nobody's asked you yet. What did you watch oh, this true. week? It's true. I, I have seen a movie. I made the trek to New York City to see the, the big first screening of a brand new Walt Disney animation production. I saw Wish, a movie that I can't tell if it's on anyone's radar. Do you think kids yeah. are getting hyped for Wish? Oh, we got, this, um, we got Happy Meals this weekend and the, okay, the goat. Okay. The like the cute goat was in it. Uh, yes, voiced by Alan Tudyk. Of and course, by it cute, was. Do you mean... Wait, how did you just say Alan Tudyk's name? Tudyk. Is that how you say his name? Tudyk. I thought it was Tudyk because that's a Y, not a J. Okay, let's move on from this. So I can say that the, <laughs> the adorable goat character gains a very deep voice and makes multiple poop jokes, uh, like Ooh. he's in Shrek or something. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, which, Disney decided in 2023 it would try to get back to go Shrek. full Shrek uh, <laughs> while paying homage to itself. This is a really, really weird movie. Maybe the weirdest failure that Walt Disney Animation has ever put out. I took my Ooh. five-year-old daughter to this because I had that opportunity. And, then, you know, let's spend a night bonding and, and watching a, a new animated musical. I was excited, actually, that... Um, Chris Buck directed this movie. He's done, he, I mean, he worked on Frozen, Frozen 2 with Jennifer Lee, who is now in charge of Walt Disney Animation. She wrote the script and was co directed by Vaughn Vera Sunthorn, another Disney veteran, worked on Frozen, Zootopia, Raya. This is like powerhouse team coming on board to make a brand new musical movie. Um, and it is very much in the Broadway tradition, even more so, I think, than. Frozen or Encanto of late or Moana. Um, it's really kind of staged and, and has musical theater pumping through its blood. Um, and I took my five-year-old because really I was just interested to see what she had to say and if this would this movie would stick. I will say when the credits rolled, she stood up and applauded. So she had a great time at... She okay. gave it a standing ovation. Um, she gave wow. a standing ovation. She's like that crowd at Next Goal wins. Just go for wow. anything. <laughs> wow. I gotta tell you, I've lost, I've lost faith yeah. in my daughter. Um, she <laughs> it, my she, her critical faculty. I don't know what the fuck she was smoking that night, but this movie is <laughs> god awful. Holy shit! I could not believe how bad and baffling this movie was. It's very much. Um, so the, the premise here is there's a magical kingdom and this guy, King Magnifico, voiced by Chris Pine, um, he, his, his like town gets fucked up. By, I don't even know it. It's very convoluted, but he finds a reason to study magic and sorcery and he wants to be able to like create a safe haven for people in, in this kingdom. And so he also decides to like grant everyone's wishes and he can extract their wishes from their bodies and keep them safe in his castle so he can protect your wish and then eventually grant them. They have wishing ceremonies every year in this strange kingdom. There's like so much convoluted. This is like Pixar level rules setting yeah, up. There's a lot of beginning. Um, and then flash forward, we meet this 17 year old girl, Asha and her age actually matters because like once you become 18, you, have your chance to get your wish or you can't reclaim it. I don't know. Again, more rules, more world building that is it all feels like improvised on the fly. If you've ever watched that making of Frozen 2 documentary, you can see how it can go very wrong for Walt Disney Animation to be thinking and rethinking of story. My Are you saying guess, this is more convoluted than Frozen 2, the most complicated oh, movie of all well, time? Well, I've now watched Frozen 2 a hundred times because yeah. my daughter likes it more than Frozen, which again, we're, uh, wow. we're raising a lot of doubt with my daughter, and I don't mean to throw her under the bus, but she's definitely developing a patches taste. That, I mean, that is concerning, but I was going to choose to see this as a positive development. And that she okay, is not going to become a film critic, which I think is really the best thing <laughs> yeah, that any of us can hope for good. our children. She that's needs true. a real life. Um, so as as this film goes on, like Asha, who's voiced by Ariana DeBose, um, is is she wants to be Magnifico's apprentice, but she quickly realizes that this guy is full of shit. That he is another classic Pixar setup. Again, like uh, 
he 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 makes a lot of promises, but he likes power and he's getting a taste for it. And he wants to keep control. He wants to control everybody. That's how he protects everybody. So he doesn't want to grant wishes. And he tells uh, Asha that he, her hundred year old grandfather will never have his wish uh, granted because. And you see it in crystal balls. You get to see people's wishes, and his wish is to like be able to play guitar for a crowd of people and inspire them with song. And Magnifico is like, I will never grant this wish. He might inspire the wrong. He might inspire like rebellion or something. It's like, what are you talking about? Um, and, and the movie just goes completely off the rails from there. As you may have seen in trailers, it's really the origin story of the wishing star from when you wish upon a star, because this is a it, under the hood is an extremely referential Disney movie. It's supposed to be taking parts of like everything, every as you start to realize you meet Asha's friends and they are. Um, recast as blank corporate diversity effort stand-ins, which I just found devoid of character and culture and veering on tokenizing. Like everything in this movie just feels rushed and strategic and just a little vile. Are, not are you accusing Wish of being too woke? I'm not going to go. I'm not going to evoke that. I'm not going to evoke that word. But, like, this is not reality, right? It's not creating a culture t- to this fantasy world or the community. It just fails so much in comparison to things like Encanto or, or Turning Red. It plays like a checklist. Th- these characters are supposed to have wishes and dimension, but they you're, only exist in Asha's Are you accusing and Disney, Disney of just trying to put in blanket uh, surface-level representation <laughs> of the uh, other than depressing real thought? community? Disney of all companies. I know. Taking the shortcuts here. But, that, <laughs> and, but, but then, of course, it's all being cast through the lens of Disney's history. So, like, one of the guys is dressed as dopey, and one of the girls is clearly, clearly neurodivergent, but she is bashful the, the the dwarf in like a new way and then you, when you start to realize that all of the elements are lifting from disney movies you just it's it's out of control how the whole movie becomes homage and the whole movie is you know like magnifico is kind of maleficent and i would i'm now referring to him as maleficent uh, because oh, he's like using wow. the same style of green magic is this movie, is this movie anti-men is that what you're trying well, to say well i will say I, i'll tell you what by the end of the movie, I'm like, this is such a clear anti-Trump moment for for Disney. This is about like a handsome guy making promises. Wait, but you said it had something to do with and it's Trump. Like this weird liberal fantasy. It's the it's the ultimate liberal fantasy. It's the strangest strangest thing. He famous hottie Donald Trump is Trump. The old people in the community <laughs> love him. They're all Fox News watchers, and they give him. They say, "I want to make my make my wishes come true," and he says yes, and they'll he'll never make them come true. And Asha has to save the day. It is so strange. I listened to the Chris Pine song that they released, and I thought it was catchy. What of that? That song is catchy, and the opening one that is a complete ripoff of Encanto, where uh, Ariana DeBose is singing "Kingdom of Rosas." Uh, That's a very good song. Do we all, as a society? As yeah. a podcast society, agree that the songs in Moana are significantly better than the songs in Frozen. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, toe to toe, sure. like yeah. the whole soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I would totally yeah. agree with you. Frozen has one banger. Yeah, but the banger in Moana bangs harder. That, um, that's it. That's like the yeah, that's like I the best Disney banger of like the last ten years or however many years. I don't know. Yeah, uh, and it lost to a bad song from La La Land at the Oscars, and I'm not mad about it still. Which La La Land cool. song won? Uh, City of Stars. No, oh, I mean, that song is stuck in my head like 23 hours a day. And so. it, it beat <laughs> How Far I'll Go, I mean, the they're both, like, both banger good songs. of the decade. Uh, both good songs. But uh, yeah, How Far I'll Go fucking rips. Um, is Moana involved in Wish? Do they drag her into this? There probably Moana is alone. something to that. I mean, the, the big... I think all of the movies actually are represented. And what I've been reading after the fact from people who have obviously went in looking for the Easter eggs and Disney has been trying to sell this movie as like robust with Easter eggs. Um, and I haven't even mentioned like there's an adorable little star that looks like an emoji and there's the, the donkey that talks about poop a lot. And so donkey the from Shrek. Man. They bought donkey um, from Yeah, they Shrek. even got the Shrek. But <laughs> this movie just feels completely farted out. Is the by, goat, is the baby goat like, the Disney 100 like baby Simba. Every time I see it, I think it's I think, baby Simba. I think all oh, of that is there. Like the horses from other movies are in this. Like they're just drawing from every source and everything starts feeling like an Easter egg or 
an attempt at that and and that there's no story and that there's no plot and the music again like those opening songs are, are pretty solid but it's such Lin-Manuel Miranda core by the end. And did he do the music? Staging. No, he did not. No, he did the music uh, from Rolanda. Who, the, the woman who I know wrote that. Justin Bieber's Sorry wrote the music here. But um, yeah, the whole thing is weird. And, and my, my new theory is that, you know, Disney has been doing this whole Disney 100 all year. Yeah. Trying to celebrate it in so many different ways. <laughs> and they celebrated it by it really having the worst feels... year as a company ever. <laughs> and then maybe the worst movie that they've ever made because it feels like they, they tasked animators who are who need to be let to be creative uh to just pump something out that would reference disney and it feels really rushed oh there's a whole new style of animation that the movie employs too that is um david i mean and dave you would know it as like the cell shaded look in video games it's kind of it's like half-hearted spider-verse it's kind of actually like blue-eyed samurai speaking of blue-eyed samurai Mm -hmm. has that like 2d meshed with 3d vibe and it is so poor, mm. like some frames look unrendered. I mean, it just, it's a, it's a stab at looking painterly and, and, and illustrative, but it is so, I don't know if, if like the frame rate, I kept like wanting to go to 60 frames a second to, I felt like my eyes were blurring at times looking at this movie without 3d glasses and not since, uh, the, uh, Wrath of the Titans screening or whatever the fuck we watched. <laughs> uh, Clash of the Titans, that oh, first yeah. one, retrofitted with 3D and my eyes are just burning afterwards. Not since then where I was just like, I'm, I'm, I have total blur watching this movie. It's very strange and, and awful. Um, do you a complete think, disaster. Do you think that the Disney IP thing is them recognizing that like the bedrocks of the, of the studio, When You Wish Upon a Star, The Seven Dwarfs, that those things don't mean as much to kids as they used to, like the stuff that would that equal Disney nostalgia for us. And this is them being like, nope, we need to make this stuff mean something. And so we have to have it all be part of like a Disney cinematic universe. A like, universe. It, yeah, like so that they can sell Snow White toy. I mean, I guess they have a Snow White movie coming out in the near future. So maybe a bad example. Maybe that's it. Like, maybe it's the gateway, but it's not overt enough. Like, why not just make a movie where all the characters show up? Why not make the Roger Rabbit of disney animation and actually have genie yeah. there and like all these characters pop up they kind of did this also they made a short film that you can watch on disney plus that has like people running through the animation studio and all the old characters showing up i feel like that really checked the box for them celebrating disney 100 using their animation staff and they didn't need to make this convoluted fake world building hackneyed musical it's just it's so uplifting without any weight I, I got to read you one of the lyrics, one of the songs. Oh, is this the shareholders this gone, thing? Yeah, this has gone a little viral, I guess. But I like, want, I want more. I want this explained to me. The the magic star who has unlimited powers, and you don't understand if there's rules. Like the the wishing star comes and can like make inanimate objects come to life, but doesn't want to grant wishes and needs to uh, recruit Asha to help steal the wish balls. Like it doesn't make any goddamn sense. And my daughter again applauding at the end of this movie. Um, Future non-film critic. The wishing star makes all these animals come to life and they sing a song where they're talking about how they're like all stars. We're all part of the universe together. And one of the animals tells Asha, when it comes to the universe, we're all shareholders. Wow. I'm so mm. that's so that has to be one of the worst lyrics of all time. It's so depressing. in the context of Disney. Limo and Miranda would never in the context no, yeah. of Disney. I uh, I don't wanna uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, it sounds bad. It, it sounds, sounds bad. like it was a bad you made a good movie, argument that it sounds and bad. You shouldn't have seen it, and may God help your soul. <laughs> you okay, so my daughter hasn't really asked it. to listen to the music again, so maybe I'll be safe. Mm. Like this is not leaving an imprint, even if she was. That's born. what I thought about Elemental, and then it came back it's with the vengeance. Come back. Yeah, um, I have, I have yeah. a proposition, a proposition for this episode of Fighting in the War Room, <laughs> as we're now approaching an hour. <laughs> What if we tell people that we're going to discuss Scott Pilgrim Takes Off Ooh. and Saltburn next yeah. week? And guess what? They, they they have a chance to watch both We've of them. We've already done the homework. Wow. I know. Wow. So, wow. Happy Thanksgiving to oh, wow. all. Where was Lightning McQueen in this movie? <laughs> Where was Lightning McQueen in this movie? Are there cars in this like, magical kingdom? No, no, there are, there are no cars. Um, There's probably a so Lightning McQueen Easter egg. The weird thing about the movie is that they... This is a, a, a you know a hundred million dollar <laughs> Disney animated blockbuster, and it somehow takes place in three locations. I tried. The, it was the, the Wizard's Castle, also a movie her house, I've never seen. and the town square. 
Wait, I you've tried never to make seen Encanto? No, I've only seen the movies. David, Encanto. I've only seen the Disney Encanto? movies that my son has made me watch. And Encanto is not Encanto is a movie that came out in 2021 and is about not leaving your house. It's like the most topical movie well, of the it's year. It's a movie that takes place in three or fewer locations. <laughs> you know what the best Disney thing I've watched this year is? The Encanto Live. At, at the Hollywood um, Bowl? The Hollywood it's Bowl great. that you can stream on Disney. It's it really oh, great. Such a good time. Yeah. Uh... Dave tried to wrap up the show. I, I tried. I tried. I will to wrap not up the wrap show. up the show. I'm going off on Wish again. Here I we cannot, go. <laughs> <laughs> Next week's episode is going to open. And we're like, and now, and Scott Pilgrim and Patrick's going to be like, you know what I remember about Wish and that <laughs> that was so fucked up. I couldn't ruin my Thanksgiving. That Wish movie. I was going to take Asa to go see it just because the time has come to take him to another movie. You and should. I'm definitely not to like it. because I mean, first our first outing in the movies was Elemental. Uh, which did not really hold his attention. I'd really, and he, but he, he had a really good time, mostly because I loaded his giant bag of popcorn with Starburst gummy candies. But I would mm-hmm. like him wow. to the next time you go back. What about a Trolls Three? No, nope. I was just gonna and throw out Trolls Three. Look, look, I've seen Trolls Three. I thought about bringing oh. it up, and uh, why have you not brought about, it up? I mean, like, I, I don't. I, so my kids watched it. Their friend came over. I like sort of watched it. I don't know how much I have to report Wait. back on the plot of Trolls Three. Wait, but like, I, I did not mean uh, to download this an movie. Trolls uh, Three. No, I probably discussion. am not supposed to say that I got a link, but I got a link. Wow. Don't tell wow. anybody. Check your privilege. Um, wow. I had my my link privilege. Um, uh, my link playing uh, Legend of Zelda privilege. Also, um, oh, yeah, nice. we watched it at Good home. It's a good time. I afterwards I had to explain to them what InSync was and boy bands because they had no frame of reference for it whatsoever. Um, I was like, does it come up overtly? Why would they? Yeah, be because so Justin question? Timberlake's character used to be in a boy band, and so and it, so in the, the lore of trolls, and it's about them getting the boy band back together. And the members of the boy band are voiced by Eric Andre is one of them. It's like various people, but then at the very Wait, end, they didn't get the members of NSYNC well, to voice so, the boy band. Spoilers for Trolls band together. At the very end, four more trolls walk up and they're like, "You think the only band that he was that Branch was in was this?" And it is the the, the guys from NSYNC. And then they all all of them sing a song together at the very end of the movie. That's uh, pretty catchy. It sucks. Just that like I've the first Justin Timberlake song. Everything. Like I'm looking at what's playing at my local movie theater. You haven't over. seen <laughs> Trolls Three, David. Yeah, I'm not, not going to do that. Band together. All I want to do the, now uh, is yeah. go to a movie theater it's just, it's not half and bad. shuffle crappy food in my face. And I don't want to do it. Well, I'll go see no. Trolls Three. No. I mean, look, hang on, wait, David. Yeah. This is my wrap up question. Yeah. Are you as excited for Wonka as I am? I've seen Wonka. As a Paddington stand. You've seen Wonka? Of course. Oh. You oh, can't Christ. talk about this. Okay, can we you? gotta talk about Wonka later. I came out of the movie having seen Wonka. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I've been keeping the faith for Wonka, and I'm gonna take the kids to see that. The buzz is, uh... I mean, I... This is in no, way, in no way tipping my hat about how I feel about the movie. This is a party line that I've been towing for many, many months Embargo. now. But, uh... The, the, I understand the trepidation towards... Uh, a Wonka movie, let alone a Wonka movie starring Timothy Chalamet. I hate the character of Willy Wonka. I always have creepy and or annoying. I do not see the appeal at all. Uh, but Hawking's last movie was Paddington fucking two, and this movie, yeah, was. based on the trailers alone, looks just like Paddington two. So the the hate that people uh, and if Kojima's going there, right? Dave oh yeah. Is going. No, I mean, so so I, I all I can say at this time is that I certainly went into the movie. Um, not bracing for the worst, but uh, expecting some magic. Uh, well, well, well. <laughs> there were Wonkas at Dutch Comic Con. There we go. There's another callback. Have I mentioned Wish? <laughs> that fucking movie. All right. That does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week to talk about Scott Pilgrim takes off and Saltburn and probably wish some more. Um, happy Thanksgiving. Don't, one don't and set all. him up like that. <laughs> In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches, executive editor at polygon.com. I'm on, uh, I'm on blue sky. I'm on letterbox. I'm on other platforms. Yeah, divesting but it's uh, Mr. Patches all over the place. And uh, we have a website, fightingintheworm.com, where I guarantee that we've reviewed many other Disney animated films that were 
better than Lich that are worth seeing. I do like think King that Ponto. it came off a, a bit, uh, I, I want to say, like, liberal values can be in movies. Liberal <laughs> fantasies come a little over. That's all, uh, that's David Fincher can be for girls, and movies can express liberal values, yeah, is what we've learned. I'm very glad yeah, I, I, was, be clear. I was not here for this gender essentialism of uh, David Fincher can't be for girls, says the girl was on Katie. our podcast. I that really was wasn't. Uh, it was, was my no way. I am By the, the way, I've been thinking a lot podcast. about the killer. Anyone? Is it lingering for anyone? Yeah, killer's fun. I mean, the soundtrack, the soundtrack has been lingering for me more than the movie has. Did you guys see the fucking the VFX video they released today? Of like, no, but we're wrapping oh, up the show. Oh we're wrapping God. up the this show. Is, if you're, this is the outro? Wait, yeah. if can I talk about Wish no, again? shut the fuck up. If you're listening to this, <laughs> go on Twitter. You can very easily find the VFX breakdown. Twitter. The first that was released about uh, all the special effects shots that impressively you would not be able to tell our special effect shots, but That's dementedly should not have been special effect shots of Michael Fassbender just driving a scooter down the city. It's all CGI. It's, all, it's insane. Um, I, I still That's think- That's what he does. One, it's how he lives. One of the most impressive things I've ever seen was the uh, VFX reel for Zodiac, where all of the digital augmentation was seamless and brought so much vitality to, to the screen and all made sense and this is just uh well beyond that anyway uh my name Thank is theworm.com my name is also david uh i wish it were fincher it is unla it is alas ehrlich i am the film critic at indywire you can find me on twitter at david ehrlich uh you can find me on the website formerly known as twitter did I just say that? I did. Uh, you can find me at Letterboxd yeah, and, and Blue Sky, I guess, uh, and all that shit. Uh, you can read my review of Napoleon, which we mercifully did not talk about on this week's episode on IndieWire if you're still trying to figure out what to go see this Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, and soon, I believe December 4th, you'll be able to read my review of Wonka. Um, more importantly, we can read your reviews on iTunes at Fighting in the War Room, leave us, a, leave us a review. We will read it live on the show until such a date as people pay us to make this podcast and then we will stop. I love it. I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky DA7E. You can find me on threads and Instagram as Grumpy DA7E. I am actually fine with David still calling it Twitter uh, because he's been calling it iTunes for like five years. <laughs> so as long as he's consistent. I was calling it Twitter because uh, some a listener of ours, you know, shamed me for referring to it as I, X. I know. Uh, yeah, really, the more people are entrenched in the lore of what we call things, the more that joke paid off. You can email us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com with your other thoughts. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I have a book. Don't worry about it. Katie, what's up with you? Uh, I am Katie Rich. I'm on Little Gold Men. I am on Twitter some, not much, uh, and on Blue Sky more some. And then I'm trying to get a better letterbox. I haven't really figured out. I like letterbox a lot, but like it's not a place to talk about other stuff. So if I'm not watching movies, I go quiet. I'm still figuring it out. Social media is a mess. So find me in one of those places. Find us. On Twitter and Blue Sky, I don't know how we could join Letterbox collectively, but that would be interesting. Um, or you can tell us what Easter eggs you spotted in Wish, or answer this week's lightning round question, which was: uh, In honor of Ridley Scott's Napoleon, what historical event needs a cinematic jolt of thrilling fiction? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Bum, 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 bum. Now I'm done. I'm done. We're done.